0: Good Morning. I want to greet you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ again. Again, I want to just bless you as a congregation. I guess it's nearing about two years that you've been on a journey and you've been faithful to that journey. And I think our Lord and Savior, uh, as our high priest, is honored uh, that you continue. Continue on, and I want to encourage you to to continue on. Um, Don't get discouraged. Uh, God has plans for you, even if you uh, do move into another facility sometime, and it seems like it might be a little further out there. uh, Continue to be faithful to him as you have been. So we think of just our our Sunday school lesson um, to honor Jesus as our eternal high priest. Um, I'm going to ask the question, do we realize the need that we need a high priest? Um, The role of the high priest in the Old Testament was basically to offer sacrifices for us, for them, to God. They couldn't. Go into the Holy of Holies by themselves. They had to have that high priest. With Jesus dying on the cross, raising again, he's our eternal high priest. Do we realize the need for that? And what is our what is our our response to that after we think through it? So the title of my, my sermon this morning is Proper Response to the love of god a proper response to the love of god with that uh, there's another question is your heart opened to receiving that as you think about that as you acknowledge the love of god you have a choice you can either open your heart or you can close your heart ignore that uh, to receiving god's love and can others tell by your actions, by your attitude, your response. No, it doesn't make a difference. So we look at the love of God. Um, I don't have a lot of time to explain it, but it's, it's something that, as the, the songwriter wrote, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. So we'd be here a long time. It goes beyond The highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Is that your song this morning? As we look down through um, the sermon, I want to basically look at four different events that are recorded in Scripture about uh, different people and their responses to the love that Jesus had given them. And as the high priest, as they were cleansed, as they were healed from their sin, um, And what maybe the disciples or those that are looking on, what their responses would be. An improper response to experiencing the love of God could be from an attitude of ingratitude, or maybe even pride, just blocking that. If we're not willing to open our heart to receive God's love, uh, is there a problem? Is there a problem? And I believe there is. Um, The first uh, event here is recorded in Luke chapter 17. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to to Luke chapter 17, while you're turning there, um, Paul in his uh, ministry to the Corinthians. He was, he was trying to express this love and, and describe this love um, in 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. He basically was telling the, the Corinthians that they were opening their hearts, they were enlarging their hearts to the people. And his plea was for them to, to enlarge their hearts, to open wide their hearts, to receive uh, what they were given to them. So open open wide your hearts. In Luke chapter 17, uh, I'm gonna start with there's a few verses there that I'd like to to look at. Uh, starting to read at verse 7. So Luke 17 7 through 10. Now we don't have uh, servants today anymore. Uh, but I, I as I read through here, I just want, want you to, to kind of pick out the role of the servant and the role of the master. Okay, let's start to read at uh, verse 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, Go, sit down to meet. I will not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Um, Yeah, I'm going to stop reading right there. So if we think about this, uh, what is the role of a servant? What is the role of a master? Uh, Whenever a servant is out in the field serving his master, um, whenever the servant comes in and the master comes in, the role of the servant is to serve the master. Um, is the master's responsibility to, to basically thank that servant um, and treat him as a master? The role of, of the servant is to say, I'm an unprofitable servant and realize the blessing of what it is to serve the master So we are unworthy servants and need to be reminded to have a grateful attitude towards our master. So if our attitude is that God, our master, should be thanking us for all we do for him, that attitude would lead us to unwholesome attitudes towards not only God, but maybe other authorities in our lives. So we owe our thanks to those who we need. So if we think about that, um, if we think about uh, you know, our attitude towards, towards God, that, well, God needs me to preach. Um, you know, God should be thanking me that, that I'm up here preaching. Um, you know, Maybe as children, we should say our parents should thank us for what we do for them. Uh, there's there's a responsibility to to honor God, to honor our authorities. And if we get that switched around, uh, soon our attitude uh, goes downhill. And we need to realize our, our position as servants redeemed by his blood. If we look at, um, basically, I'm going to continue on in Luke 17 there. Gonna look at the, the the passage of the ten lepers. This is gonna be our first illustration here. Pretty common uh, section of verses. I'm just gonna read verses eleven through nineteen. And again, as I read down through here, I want you to, to just listen for the different parties involved and what their responses would be. So Luke 17. Starting to read of verse eleven. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, They were cleansed, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger." And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. I'm going to stop reading right there. So we have a situation where Jesus was passing through. And if you can understand leprosy, uh, it was kind of the outcast of society. And they needed to stay away from people. And so they were crying out for Jesus. Uh, they realized what Jesus could do for them. And Jesus basically told all ten of them to go show yourselves unto the priests. So there was ten with leprosy, ten that couldn't heal themselves, and all ten were on their way to the priest. So one, one of those, basically realized that as they were on the way, he was healed. And with a loud voice, cried out, glory to God. Did the other nine hear him? Did the other nine know that he turned and went back to Jesus to give him glory, to fall at his feet? What was the difference between that one that returned to give thanks and the other nine? That one was willing to express the gratitude. I think the others probably were happy that they were healed. Um, Maybe they thought, well, maybe they deserve to be healed. Maybe they want to go on with their lives. Why didn't they come back and give thanks to Jesus? I don't know. But Jesus then told that one that came back, You are made whole. So was that the difference between the one and the nine? He was made whole. What made him what made him whole? I believe it was the expression of his gratitude. And that worship in his heart and that faith, I think may have changed the direction in his life um, that he, he realized, and maybe the other nine realized, but they were, this one was willing to come back. We all were like these ten lepers. Ephesians 2, 8-10, For by grace... Are ye saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. So our response to that should overflow in us. True gratitude begins by recognizing our need of God's sustaining mercy and pardon in our lives, and realizing everything we have comes from God. Even our next breath, Uh, it comes from God. The next event here, um, I want you to turn back to Luke chapter seven, and the the next three events are somewhat similar. As you kind of look into the commentators, they're trying to figure out if there's three different stories, four different stories. But this, we're going to look at um, some women that anointed Jesus. And again, as we go through this, I want you to look at the response of each woman and then in the event. And I want you to look at the response of basically the the host, the disciples, through this. Which Which one realized their need? Which one was willing to open their heart? Which one was willing to express their gratitude? So Luke chapter 7, kind of towards the end of the chapter, starting to read at verse 36. So Luke 7, 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, which is Jesus, that he should eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him, answering, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one ought five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Mine head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman had anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, "Thy sins are forgiven." And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, "Who is this that forgiveth sins also?" And he said to the woman, "Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace." I'm gonna stop reading there. So, can you see the difference in the different attitudes that are here? Who had the open heart? Who had the closed heart? And why did they have a closed heart? If We just look briefly down through here. Um, the author, Luke, as he was writing in verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. So that's how Luke basically was writing. Um, And then we see Simon in verse 39 describing, excuse me, describing the woman, the end of the verse, for she is a sinner. And if this man even knew who she was and even had the audacity to come into my house and do this, she is a sinner. There were tears of repentance. There were tears to worship. Sorry, that was in 39, not 37. Jesus then told a, basically a story to get his point across to Simon the host. Basically, as we look at a pence, uh, that would be a day's wage. So we'll say if you can make... Um, maybe $200 a day, 500 pence would be $100,000. So if you owe someone $100,000 in in your budgets today, how long would it take to pay someone back $100,000? Probably a, a pretty long time if you're making $200 a day and you have other expenses to go around. How about 50 pence? We'll say that's $10,000. Well, that's, that's doable. You think you could probably work your way up. So if you were the one that owed $10,000 and someone would say, I, I, I'm willing to forgive you, you don't owe me anything, right on your, um, right on your bill paid in full, you would be grateful. <laughs> I would be grateful. Um, would there be a difference in the 100000 versus the 10000 I think the 10,000 you think you could probably you could probably do this on your own. Um, you would be grateful, but maybe not quite as grateful as 100,000. So that's Jesus' question to, to Simon. This woman, which was a sinner, and he didn't deny that the woman had sin in her life, um, she is extremely grateful. and she opened her heart, and out of that was the expression. Of her heart. So Jesus received honor and glory from the worship of this repentant woman who was now a saint. So you would think that those that were present with that meal, I don't know who all was there, I would think the disciples, but even Simon, wouldn't he, if he's willing to admit that Jesus um, is, could be? forgive sins and maybe forgive his own sin, if he was willing to recognize that, wouldn't he have rejoiced that this woman, who was a sinner, is now a saint and was able to to admire her and worship with her? But he was not. Um, They basically would have accused Jesus, mocked him, I think, And Jesus, realizing that this situation and this lady um, that might be causing a scene, he dismissed her in peace. And basically, I think, received her honor and her glory for what was done. The next one, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 12. Kind of a, a similar situation and I'm not sure if these ladies uh, knew each other or not, or maybe if one got the idea from the other, but here we have um, John chapter 12. We have six days before the Passover. This was right before the triumphal entry, and uh, Jesus was in Bethany, and you could kind of picture the, the scene there. Lazarus, as we're going to read, Lazarus was there. This was after Lazarus, Lazarus was raised from the dead. A lot of people were coming to, to see this, and and they were believing on Jesus um, and just the impact of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So let's read John 12, um, verses 1 through 12. And again, as we read down through here, I want you to pick out the characters pick out what their responses are. So let's start read John 12:1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom sorry, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also which he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that's by reason of him. Many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and then it continues on into um, the triumphal injury. So here we see the setting again. Jesus, Lazarus, I think there's probably a time of praise, uh, a time of just uh, honoring Jesus for, for what he did. After all, Lazarus wouldn't be there if Jesus didn't heal him. So Mary poured on Jesus' feet a pint of spikenard. Uh, if you think of a pint... Um, Spike Nard in today's value would be about a thousand dollars a pound so a pint is a lot of money and actually it's kind of interesting that Judas had it figured out that he said a year's wages um, it, this, was, this was something that took Judas back this is something that took the apostles back it, why this doesn't make sense Why is Mary doing this? The aroma filled the room. Verse 4 and 5, Judas was aware of the value, and Judas didn't understand. Basically questioning, why wasn't this sold and donated to the poor? And it's interesting, as it says, Judas really wasn't interested In that, he just liked to help himself to the bag. Um, To Judas, Jesus wasn't worth this. Uh, He would have done something else with the money. So whose heart was open? Whose heart was closed? Mary was willing to show this affection to Jesus, this worship to Jesus. So if the money was worth the year's wages, I'm not even going to throw out there what a year's wages should be, but how long would it take you uh, to save a year's wages? say you would have to put a year's wages back into an emergency fund how long How long would that take you? How valuable would this ointment be to you uh, so just to to kind of wrap your mind around, yeah how how expensive this was, how precious this was. Um, and to Mary, she was worth, willing to give it all. And we see the response in verses nine through 12. There are many people were in Jerusalem and the Passover. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see Lazarus. They were believing this was out of the control of the Jewish leaders. Um, they they needed to do something about it and so Judas, as we see in the next passage is going to get involved. so turn with me to Matthew chapters 26 this is the the last uh, event that I'm going to read and again it has some parallels I think it yeah um, it, <laughs> It says two days before the Passover and the other one said six days and a few different uh, events that happened here. But in Matthew 26, I'm going to read this, make a few comments. But again, I think you should be seeing the difference between the response uh, of those that are worshiping and those that have a closed heart. So Matthew 26, I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, He said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consult, consulted that they might take Jesus by subtly and kill him. That subtly basically means quietly, shyly, um, kind of do it um, basically in, in secret. They didn't want to make a big stir. So, verse 5 But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. There came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of precious ointment, and poured it on his head, and said it, Meet. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, and saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye this woman? For she hath wrought a good work unto me, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there, sh- there shall also this that this woman has done be told for memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver, and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Wow. What do you think do you think he was glad to be out of the presence of Jesus and, and looking for an opportunity? And was his heart open to what Jesus was doing? Was he worshiping with her? Just a note there in verse six, Simon the leper. <laughs> he was invited to his house. Um, so it was Simon the leper healed? Did Jesus heal him? A leper wouldn't just usually invite someone into their house for a meal. Uh, I think he was healed. Uh, that was just kind of my thought as I was coming through this. But Simon, Simon I think had an experience with Jesus and, and this was a time of worship So you see the disciples' response in indignation, anger, at what appeared to be an offensive gesture. This is the disciples, not just Judas. It mentioned the disciples. Why was this so offensive? <clears throat> Did they not understand the importance of this burial? This anointing for burial, this worship? Um, In the NIV, it's in a parallel scripture to this is Mark chapter 14, and it basically says, and they, talking about the disciples, rebuked her harshly. So this, the situation was pretty intense. We see the worship, but we also see the other emotions that were going with it. So I think you see kind of the point of what was happening here. Jesus was getting honor and glory, but there was others that were not accepting, maybe not understanding. We see the response of of Judas. He was offended. He looked for an opportunity to to betray Jesus. In Luke 22, in that passage, it talked about, Judas communing with the chief priests, so Judas, if you think about it he was he was communing with the chief priests, but he was also at the last supper with Jesus. Jesus had washed Judas's feet um, the confusion that must have been in Judas's mind, and we don't understand I, I don't understand um, we. Kind of follow Judas's life story after this. Of course, we know the story. Judas did betray Jesus with a kiss, but it was a kiss of betrayal. After that, Judas went out and he hung himself. See the turmoil going on. Was he willing to open his heart? and accept it was he feeding the flesh wanting to do what the chief priest wanted to do thinking of the money or was he willing to look at the spirit was he willing to acknowledge Jesus for what he can do i don't know 2nd Corinthians 6:14 6, through 16 be not unequally yoked together <coughs> excuse me with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, what part, or what part hath he that believed with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." I brought this out just thinking of Judas. Um, Was he unequally yoked? Was he trying to find that light in darkness? We need to choose which one we're going to follow. How does this compare then with the the women that anointed Jesus and worshiped with Jesus? I like to think um, and this is just me, and maybe you can verify my, my thoughts later. I like to think of, of the women that had anointed Jesus at coming to the sepulcher on that third day um, with the, the spices, with the ointments, looking for Jesus, having that hope in them. Um, was there a difference in the attitudes? I think there was. I really think there was. Uh, they were looking in expectation and they were willing to go beyond the criticism of what men had told them. So this morning, do we have grateful hearts? Do we understand the love of God? Do we experience the love of God? If so, let us express it. Now, Jesus isn't with us to to anoint his feet with oil. But Jesus does tell us that the love of God is available for all. And the love of God should impact our lives, not only to our worship with him, but also in our worship to one another. Turn with me first John and I don't have time to read read this passage but I want you to hear what John the right author, author is writing to us First John chapter 4 and just going to read a few verses first John 4 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that he might live, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And that's a command. That's how we can worship, how we can manifest what God has done for us, God's love upon us. We can receive it and we can show it. To each other in love. I'm just going to read verses 19 through 21 here. Yet we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, "I have, I love God," and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this is my commandment, and this commandment have. We from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. So, this is how we manifest that. Just want to read in, in closing a song that I thought about. It's by Stuart Townsend. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. The last verse, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know With all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Do we understand the love of God? Are our hearts open to the love of God? And are we willing to express it? Um, So the proper response to the love of God, as we've seen in the different, uh, I want to say characters, but brothers and sisters in the church um, and our, our example to us. Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer.